0: Acts chapter 27, aren't you glad we have a Bible? The entrance of thy word giveth light, it giveth understanding to the simple. Just a few moments ago, I had the opportunity to meet with uh, folks who were in the discipleship lesson. And we had a full room of folks taking the discipleship lessons today. And it was a blessing to be in there. And we studied on what the Bible says about the Bible. And it's lesson number four and level one of discipleship. And it was a blessing, great engagement with the uh, folks that were there. And we enjoyed learning about why God gave us the Bible. God gave us the Bible, number one, to show us how to get to heaven from here. Number two, he shows us the Bible, so how how we know how to live after we know we're going to heaven. If you're not saved, you need to get someone to open the Bible and show you how to get to heaven from here. Everyone, God's not willing that anyone would perish or be separated from him, but he wants everybody to come to a change of mind, repentance, and acknowledge who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross. Then he tells us how to live after we know we're going to heaven, But also, the Bible tells us it gives a spiritual understanding. It changes us. He said, just like the rain comes down from heaven and the snow. Can you believe it snowed here in northwest Indiana yesterday? That was almost depressing, wasn't it? But until it didn't get on the ground, it worked out great. I like snow, just as long as it doesn't affect the the ground. That'll be all right. But uh, as the snow, it came down from heaven. The rain comes down from heaven, and it waters the planet, and it causes it to be beautiful and productive. Well, the same is true. God's word says, so shall my word be. It comes down from heaven. It lands on our hearts and our souls, and it makes us pleasant, beautiful people, positive people, and productive people. And uh, then we'll go forth with joy and with peace and with singing. And you say, man, how can we sing like this? How can we have joy? Well, the word of God is a source of that. Now, I want to encourage you to make much of the word of God. Well, in the Bible, one of the reasons God gave us the Bibles is to give us examples of how we can live. If you have a problem in front of you, a big giant in front of you, that's why God gave us David and Goliath. If you are a lady maybe struggling to have children, like many hundreds and thousands are, there are other ladies who are just like you in the Bible and God gives them their names. If you're experienced rejection from a dysfunctional family or a situation that's wrong, well, you know, that's why God gave us the story of Joseph. All of his stepbrothers hated him. His dad showed favoritism to him. He had, probably Jacob had the most dysfunctional family you could ever imagine. Four, two wives, two concubines, kids from all four of those ladies, and lots of challenges, rejection and emotions and jealousy and envy, all of that took place in there. And if you have a problem like that, you have someone to look through. Look to. And here this morning, uh, I think our nation, our our lives, we go through difficult times, storms, challenges that affect us, and uh, we need to learn how to deal with them. And there's a man named the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 27. Luke, Doctor Luke, is with them, and Aristarchus, a guy that got saved in the church at Thessalonica, is on a ship with him and 273 other people. And they're making their way from a, a little town uh, called Licea to Rome, Italy. Now, they're not going to get to Rome because their ship is going to wreck. Uh, the ship is going to wreck, and they're going to be landing on the island of Melida. But God is going to use them to win others to Christ through this situation. You know, storms are just a fact of life. And I want to talk to you this morning on responding right to the storms of life from the story in Acts chapter 27. Would you look with me at at, uh, verse number 20 through verse number 26, and let's look at this. And the Bible says in verse 20 of chapter 27 of Acts, And when neither sun nor stars and many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. And after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me. And, uh, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whom I am, whose I am, who I belong to, and whom I serve, that I serve faithfully. Saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God had given him, given thee all them that sail with thee. So God says, you're going to be okay. You're going to end up in Caesar's court in Rome, and everyone who's on this ship with you is going to be okay as well. Verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, and that it shall be given even as it was told me. He said, guys, be of good cheer. I believe God in what he said. I didn't believe about God. I believe him. How be it, we must be cast upon a certain island. Our Father, would you please help me as we talk about responding right to the storms of life from this story. In Jesus' name, amen. If I can, I want to encourage you to read this later on today. But if you'll allow me the privilege to just tell you a little bit about the story. Paul has been arrested. When he went to Jerusalem, he was arrested. And he kind of went through several little kangaroo courts trying to figure out what's going to happen. He last spoke to King Agrippa in chapter 26. And King Agrippa, when he gave him the gospel and everyone around him, he said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And then he told Festus and Felix, he said, listen, if this guy had not appealed to Caesar, he should have been let go. But God had a plan for the Apostle Paul, and he has a plan for your life and my life, even in the most difficult times, times where you feel restrained. He was in jail. He said bonds and afflictions bide with him. They were some difficult times. But he finds himself now attached to a man named Julius. Julius is a centurion. That means he has the authority to have a 100 men that are under his domain in the Roman army. He's a centurion, century, 100, and he has a 100 men who would answer to him. But he has been signed the task to take him and some other prisoners from where they are to Rome to appear before Caesar's court and, uh, and, and his judicial powers. So he is in charge of him, and, and uh, they, have, they have left where they were, in Alexandria making their way down through several places. They have some issues with the winds and with the, the time of year, and they find themselves parked in this little port of Lasea, L-A-S-E-A. And it's not a favorable place to be. It's kind of a miserable little place to be, and they're there, and um, they want to get out. They want to leave and they don't want to stay there, and it's fall and winter is coming, and it's not a convenient place, it's not a comfortable place. The, the, the man that owns the ship, he's in a hurry to get out and to, to make some money. His ship's not making money when it's just sitting in the harbor, and he wants to go. But they've got all kinds of things going on. And what they don't know is that Eurocliden a bad hurricane, if you will, or a storm, is, is brewing. They don't have the same radar systems that we have, and they don't know about that. But they just know things are kind of rough, and they don't want to be stuck in this little town for the winter time. And they've been waiting a long time, and people are getting antsy, and they're just like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And Paul, under the, 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 the infusion of the Holy Spirit, says, guys, I don't think it's a good time for us to leave. I think if we take out, it's going to be a lot of danger, not only to the lading, to the things that we have in the ship, not only to the ship, but also our own lives. I don't think we should leave. But the centurion, Julius, Listen to the ship's owner and the people who are there trying to make a profit and said, hey, we're getting out of here. And he believed the, he believed the owner of the ship more than he did Paul. And Paul's a prisoner, but later on he kind of becomes the captain of the ship. <laughs> he becomes people start listening to him. He says, I don't think you ought to leave. But they pulled away. They pulled away and they went into the, uh, the areas. They had some problems and they kind of bounced around a little bit. But then they found out that this storm was serious. And they did several things. First of all, they realized that all the things they had tried to get, they were losing. Their dreams were dissipating. They, uh, they, they got really afraid. And they had to start getting rid of and wasting their resources. They had to start throwing things out into the waters just to lighten the ship. And all hope that they would be saved was taken away. You might want to see this in girls who have... The girls of you who are, are uh, women drivers, you won't like this passage of scripture, but it just it refers to women drivers in this passage of scripture. It says that the, sh- the ship, you can see it right in the Bible. I hate to show it to you girls. Maybe I shouldn't. I can tell some of you are just shooting daggers at me right now. But it says, we let her drive. Then it says, so we're driven. And then it says, and all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Uh, you can see it, it's right in the Bible. You can't argue with the Bible, girls. I think it's talking about the ship and not your driving. So get over it, all right? Just tease them. Nonetheless, they, they said, We got all these problems. We let her drive. And he said, The people were just hopeless. And then Paul, after a long abstinence, probably a time in which he prayed and sought the Lord, he spoke up and he said, Guys, remember what I told you back there? You should listen to me. We should never have left. But then he said, be of good cheer. He said, uh, we're not going to die. We're going to lose the ship, but we're not going to die. And do you know why I know that? Because the angel of the Lord, the messenger of God, who I belong to and who I serve with my great devotion, told me that we're not going to die and God's going to spare us. We're going to be okay, but we've got to stay on the ship. And he says, I believe God. And of course, they heard that, and people probably got some encouragement. They had to, they had to continue to fight for, for the ship. And, matter of fact, some people tried to get off the ship. Some, of, as they got closer, they got about 120 yards from what they felt like land. They were using their mechanisms. They went 14 days, many days, where they didn't have the sun or the stars to be able to direct them. They were, they were under a fog and under darkness, and, and they couldn't see the cloud cover, the storm, the rain. They had no abilities to give direction to them. That's, they didn't have the modern-day things. They, had, they got their direction from the sun, from the stars, And all that had gone away. By the way, I feel like this is exactly the way sometimes in the world is. Some people, they have these monitors and they have Wall Street and they have this and this economy and all this. And then all of a sudden a storm comes and it takes away, depletes their abilities to give direction. They don't know what to do. And it causes some big problems. They're in a storm here and and some of the shipmen, as they think they're close... They say, well, we better put down the anchor. And, while, and they, they, they falsely act like they're putting down the anchor, but actually they're letting down a boat. And they're jumping in that boat, and they're going to try to make it to shore. And Paul says to the centurion, he said, unless we abide on the ship, we're not going to live. They're going to they're die. And they send the soldiers over there, and they cut the ropes of the boat and let the little boat float away, and so did their dreams to get it to the shore. They've been miserably stuck on this boat with 275 other people, throwing up, sick. They hadn't eaten in a long time. And finally, they come to a passage where there's a little bit of an opening. It looks like a little creek, maybe, going between two bodies of, of land. And they, they set the sails, and they try to get into there, and they do, but the ship gets in there, and Paul tells them, Listen, we haven't eaten. You've been fasting and praying. You better take some nourishment. By the way, in a storm, you want to take nourishment. You want to read your Bible. You want to pray. You want to, you want to spend time with the Lord in the storms. Don't run away from God. Run to him. And we find that, he says, you never to eat something because we're getting ready to go swimming. <laughs> and those that can swim, you make your way to the shore. And if you can't swim, grab hold of a piece of this broken ship and a piece of broken pieces and make your way. And when it came, they counted heads, all 276 of them made it to the land in Miletus where God had prepared barbarous people to care for them in chapter 28. Boys and girls, that's the story. But there are principles I want to just share with you quickly. Number one, everybody is going to have storms and difficulties in your life. Storms are universal. You got problems, I got problems. And storms come for several different reasons and several different sources. Number one, I think most, many storms come just because we live in a sin-cursed world. We live in a world that has been tainted with, with sin. Disease is ultimately caused by sin. The Bible says, when Adam sinned in the garden of Eden, so then death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. We live in a sin-cursed world, and we're going to live in this world as long as we're here until the Lord comes back and fixes things. Things are going to happen just because we are here living on this planet. Other problems happen to us, and storms happen because they're self-inflicted. I do something dumb, and I pay the price. Jonah, he ran from God, and he ran right into a storm. Some things I have problems with, and really, the only person I can blame for that problem is the guy that I shave in the morning. It's me. And sometimes problems come because we live in a sin-cursed society. Some because they're self-inflicted. I do them. Some of them are God's sovereign work in our lives. Sometimes God allows a Christian to go through a difficult time because he's disciplined us. We see that with the disciples. He said, you guys uh, launch out there. I'll join you in just a little while. And then, of course, he went into the ship, and they had a storm. And it was, he was trying to strengthen their faith. Now, I don't always like the disciplined hand of God and the, mat- the, the work he does in me. But the truth of the matter is, no pain, no gain. Remember your coach telling you that? I used to say, no pain, no pain. <laughs> uh, but he didn't like that one. The truth of the matter is, God allows His sovereign work is working. You know the little song, He's still working on me to make me what ought to be? Sometimes it's the difficult trials of our life that God allows to strengthen us for other trials and to help other people in time. So we see some trials are caused just because we live in a sin-cursed world. Some are self-inflicted because of our own stubbornness, our own disobedience. Some trials come because of God's sovereign work in our life. And then sometimes we have problems because of someone else's decision. Sometimes children, their parents are negligent. Their parents are selfish. They don't care about their kids and their kids suffer because of someone else's decisions. Sometimes we suffer because of bad leadership in our country. Maybe some folks in Congress or the Senate or in our local government or or things of that nature, they have selfish motives and they're not thinking about their constituents or thinking about them. And their bad leadership has affected us. Sometimes it's just other people who are just careless and, and some people were dragged into that. That was the case with Paul. He didn't plan this trip. He was an innocent man doing nothing but preaching the gospel and he got dragged into this shipwreck because he was on the ship of state. And <laughs> uh, it, was, it was Caesar's job to get him, and, and it was Julius's job to get him there, and it wasn't a ship, it was his, his idea was to stay on land. But he had to be taken to this problem because someone else's decisions. But regardless of our problems and our difficulties, and we've got some difficulties going on now, and exactly, I don't exactly know all the situations. But I do know this, There are some things we can do that cause things to get complicated more so. You know, this shipwreck happened because of five factors. Five things that people thought about. Why don't you see them real quick with me, if you would, please. In verse number 9, would you look at that? Acts chapter 27, verse number 9. And now when much time was spent, when sailing was now dangerous because of the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them. I want you to notice this, now when much time was spent. Sometimes people make bad decisions and end up in a shipwreck because of compulsion. That's because someone is pushing them to make a decision right now. And they're thinking, well, too much time has gone by. Sometimes single adults are this way. Well, I haven't gotten married, so I might as well just start sleeping around since I'm not going to get married one day. Or someone will get married to the wrong person because, you know, if I don't get married now, I'm not going to get married. I've bought cars like that sometimes, you know, I've got to get a car. So I get one, I buy one, it's the most expensive car I ever owned I just keep having to fix it every time. Sometimes we just, we, because something hasn't happened on our time frame, someone hasn't come back. Well, we, I just forget, I've given up on the Lord, I'm not going to continue doing that. And sometimes we get a bad decision out of compulsion. Some people, we have a bad decision, not only out of compulsion, but because of the counsel of others. See, this this Julius, this guy who decided if these guys are going on this ship or another ship, they're going to leave now or later, he listened to worldly counsel. He had a man of God on there. He learned him to be a man of God in time to come and probably accepted Jesus as his Savior in time. But at that moment, he had a chance to listen to somebody who was a prisoner but had the presence of God in him, or a guy who had profit on his mind. And, you know, sometimes we get ourselves in problems not only because of we're pressured. By the way, in this this situation, people know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? This person did this. This person did this. And, boy, they're telling you all the things. What are we going to do? We've got to do something right now. Truth of the matter, sometimes when someone wants to be an answer right now, the answer should be, I'm waiting. <laughs> you can buy this now or you can't get the same deal tomorrow. Probably you ought to say, you know, I think I'll just let you take it on tomorrow. <laughs> But they use compulsion sometimes causes you a wrong idea. Sometimes it's wrong counsel. We're listening to the wrong people. Paul told the church of Galatia, hey, you were doing really well. You did run well. Who did hinder you? Who did you listen to that you shouldn't have listened to? He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fool shall be destroyed. Well, you can not careful. We'll listen to the wrong people and bad counsel uh, that will hurt us, make a bad decision. I think also we see here, and uh, we see that uh, a convenience. Would you look, if, if you would please, at verse number 12? And because the haven, Lisea, was not commodious to winter in. He said, well, you know what? It's just more convenient if we make this decision. Some people say this, you know what? I, well, there's a better job market over here. I'm going to go over here. They don't think about the church. i don't think about their family. Think about lots. You know, he said, I pitched my tent toward Sodom. He didn't realize that he was pitching his tent and letting, the, letting his kids see all the world. They were, it was more convenient. The, well, the, 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 the plane was well watered. And oftentimes people make decisions because of compulsion, because of bad counsel, because of convenience. Well, this, is, this is not a comfortable place for us to winter in. It won't be commodious. It won't be easy for us to be here. And oh, how we are in love with our comfort zone. We want to be comfortable. Boy, sometimes the will of God is not always comfortable for the time being. Convenience was a problem here that made in a shipwreck. And boy, if you, if you take convenience, you overcome and take worldly counsel. I heard somebody who's taking counsel from someone about marriage when they have multiple marriages. And they're listening to someone. They're going off ask their friends about counsel rather than going to someone who walks with God. These can cause us some problems. And we see also another problem, and that is the consensus or the crowd. Look at verse 12 again, would you please? It says, And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, it wasn't convenient, and the more part advised to depart thence also. Well, what's the more part? That means the majority. Oftentimes, whenever people are making decisions, they're saying, well, what's everybody else doing? Just because, every, you know, there were probably about 273 people when they started to count, who wants to leave now? Who wants to go? Only about three people raised their hand. Paul, Luke, and, and, uh, and uh, let's see, what's the other, other guy's name? I forgot his name right now. But the other fellow that was with me, Aristarchus. They're probably the three raised their hand. Everyone else said, oh, 273 to, two se- to three. We're on. Let's go. The, whoever it was, you know, sometimes the majority. Well, everybody's doing it. Does that mean, well, you'd almost find if everybody's doing it, maybe you ought to consider not doing it. The more part, the majority, the consensus, the crowd, if the crowd's doing it. Young people, learn that. You want to create a big shipwreck for your life? Just do what everybody in the world's doing. We have this challenge sometimes, doing this, doing this. Well, everybody's doing it. Well, this person did this. This person did this institution, did this. Well, this is what you've got to do, because everybody's doing it. Sometimes that's not really the best way to do it. We need to ask the Lord for wisdom and prudence, but sometimes just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean that's what you need to do. But these people said, well, the more part, one, to get out of I wanted to get out of this port, it wouldn't be comfortable if we stayed here three more months. Let's get out of here. But all of it led to a shipwreck. And then I think the last thing that comes to my mind that created this, and that, that is circumstances. Look, if you would please, at verse number 13. And when the south wind blew, how? Softly supposing that they had obtained their purpose. Okay, now we can go now because the south wind. May I just tell you, I think the devil sends a lot of south winds. (laughs) If you're just saying, well, circumstances look like this is what I ought to do. you You need to jump beyond circumstances and look to the Lord. You need to pray and say, God, this is what you want to do. Just because circumstances, well, I mean, I got this job. I got this situation. I, this is working out. The circumstances are working out. Let me just tell you, a soft wind can blow quietly for a little bit, but it can cause a lot of complications for our future. I see uh, similarities in what this, this ship decided to do to take off and my life sometimes. Because sometimes uh, I find myself pressured and compulsed to make a decision. Sometimes I listen to the wrong crowd. I listen to the wrong counsel. I'm seeking convenience and comfort for me. I'm following the crowd, or I'm just looking at circumstances. I think overall, this is circumstantial. This is circumstantial. I think I can do that. And these these folks went under life and death because of a bad decision. But I'm grateful that even in storms, God is good. And God put a man on that boat who walked with him. You know, Paul, God had a purpose for Paul. That's where that verse of Scripture that someone says we wear out, Romans 8, 28, we don't wear it out. If you love God and you're committed to his purpose, you know what? God had a purpose for a man on that boat. There was a man who loved God. And by the way, in storms, you can decide, you know what? I'm going to love God. I'm going to love him. I'm going to embrace myself in his love. And I'm going to be committed to his purpose. Because on that boat that day, there wasn't just a man named Paul. There was a man named Luke. There was a man named Aristarchus. There were three Christians on that boat. But you know what else was on that boat? The book of Ephesians was on that boat. The book of Philippians was on that boat. The book of Colossians was on that boat. The book of Luke was on that boat. The book of Acts was on that boat because all of those books will be written later in Rome when Paul would be there. You know what? God has a purpose. And when you're going through a trial, you can remember that God has got something going on. And you want to make good decisions and you want to look to the Lord. And in closing today, I've taken a little longer, but let me just give you a couple things to lessons we can learn from a storm. If you're going through a storm, and our nation somewhat is, our world is in a panic, and Christians, I'm not saying you should should not be panicked. If you're panicked, you need to knock it off. You need to run to the Lord and trust him. Now you need to be prudent, but don't be afraid. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And there was one calm man on that ship, and his name was Paul. I want you to notice a couple things he did real quickly, and I want to tell you some lessons I can see from this, and we'll close briefly. Would you look, if you would, please, at verse number 21. They're in the storm. They have worked harder, and they have, they have wasted their resources. They've dumped things out into the ocean. They've had all their hope gone. But look at verse 21. But after a long, what? Abstinence. Paul stood in the midst of them and said. I want you to notice real quickly um, Practice prayer and patience before you open your big mouth in a storm. You know, sometimes people get through pressure times and they just say some of the dumbest things. God's given me more than I can handle. No, he hasn't, Spanky. He hasn't given you more than you can handle. I just can't take any more. Yes, you can. You can do all things through Christ with strength in with you. It just doesn't matter. Yes, it does. I think in a storm when, number one, while everyone else is running with their their hair on fire, you and I ought to say, you know what? Hang on a second. I need to drop to my knees. What do you do in this long absence? I imagine he was praying, don't you? So practice prayer and patience before you open your mouth and say something. That's my first thought there. If you disagree, we'll we'll meet outside after the church, but we can't shake hands, so don't, don't come shake my hand. The truth of the matter, I think we ought to be learning patience and prayer before we verbalize things, after a long absence. Sometimes we need to take time just to be quiet and alone before the Lord before we come into a thing. Sometimes we're so reactionary. We just, whatever happens, I'm going to tell them, where's my Facebook? I've got to tell everybody how I feel about this. Maybe you ought to let your fingers not do the walking. Maybe you ought to let your heart settle down. And after a long abstinence, then you can have some advice after you've met with God and exercised patience. Number two, I'd like to share this with you. In a storm, trust the Lord. Believe God. All through the Bible, God commands us to trust him. I wrote down a couple verses, and I I wish I could give you 25 and probably be better for me to give you 25 verses and to keep talking to you. But I will say this. Here's a couple verses. Mark chapter 5, verse number 37. He said this. Be not afraid, only believe. Be not afraid, only believe. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O oh my God, I trust in thee. Proverbs chapter 29, the Bible tells us, Whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Psalms 107 speaks about people going down in the ships and, and going through storms, and they cried to the Lord, and God saved them out of all their trouble. No, when you're in difficult times, believe God. Be patient and prayerful before speaking, but believe God and trust Him in the difficult times. Number three, remember to make sure that you know you belong to God and that you're serving Him. You know, I love what he said. When Paul spoke up, he finally said, Listen, I belong to God, and I serve Him, and He told me. By the way, if you're here today, you're not sure you belong to God in salvation. See, when you get saved, that's when you belong to God. He belongs to you. But learning to know that you belong to him is really important. And then the Bible tells us, I serve him. You know, in storms, you can serve the Lord. Right now, with all this going on, you ought to be actively saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? This is your world. I'm your servant. What do you want me to do? And what can I do to serve you during this difficult time? He said, I belong to God and I serve him and he told me this to believe God. I want to give you one more real quickly and that is to comfort and edify others in your storm. He said, guys, be of good cheer. You know, in a world that's going crazy, we ought to be a comfort and a help and an edifying presence to them. We ought to be looking for opportunities to encourage other people in the Lord. Hey, listen. Let's make sure we keep our head in the storm. Let's learn to learn the lessons of life in the storm, responding right in the storms of life with God's help. Let's pray together, can we please? Can I just say to your friend, wherever you may be listening to this message today, in this auditorium or via live stream, I'll tell you about one more storm that's coming, and that is God is going to bring judgment to this world in a very final way one day. And you want to be with God when that happens. You don't want to be under God's judgment. And this morning, wherever you may be listening, you need Jesus. You need to know that you have Jesus. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'm not sure. You're listening. You're not sure for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven. God loves you, and he wants you to know that. If you say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Can I tell you, it's not hard to get saved. God did all the work. He loves you, and on the cross, he did all that was needed to be done so you could come to know him as your Savior. And to know Jesus, you have eternal life. There are four things God teaches us. Number one, we're sinners. We can't go to heaven on our own. The price of our sin is to be separated from God in the lake of fire forever, where God's not going to be. Number three is to believe that Jesus died. He was buried and rose again so you could be saved and trust him as your Savior. Call unto him and ask him to come into your life. Forgive your sin and save you. If you're here today or you're listening today and you're not sure if you died to go to heaven, would you see someone around you? Would you call us here at the church? Would you connect with us on the internet? We would love to share with you more. Or in this auditorium, you could come forward in just a moment and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I'm not sure if I died to go to heaven. Avoid the storm that would be the last of all storms when God brings his judgment on this planet, make sure you're with him when that happens by believing and receiving Jesus. How many say, Pastor, I want to believe God in my storm? I want to be patient and prayerful as I prepare to speak to others about the word of God. I want to know that I belong to God and that he belongs to me, and I'm going to trust him. How many are Christians? You say, Pastor, that's me. I want to do that too. Wherever you may be listening today, would you respond to God in faith? Maybe you're saying, Pastor, I I have gotten into a storm. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who pressures you. Be careful what the crowd is doing. Be careful you don't let circumstances trump what God wants you to do in your life. Let's make sure we do the right thing.